Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Well, good to have you here in the house today. It's a little cool in here, away from that heat outside. So I hope that uh, you're not too cold in here because uh, we need that cool air. Amen. I'm going to continue where I left off last week, which is uh, talking about born with purpose. Everybody say that with me. Born with purpose. Each of you, no matter how young, how old, are born with a purpose. You weren't just born to exist. In other words, you matter. You matter to God and you matter to those around you. Look at someone right next to you and tell them, you matter to me. Yes. In the words of Mark Twain, how many remember Mark Twain, the author? There are two great days in a person's life, the day we are born and the day we discover why. And that's called your purpose. And I want to remind you that it takes many of us, it takes us years to figure that out. It doesn't, it, there isn't an automatic switch that when you graduate from high school that you have it all figured out and you know what to do. That's just not how it works. You don't uh, graduate from college often and, and, and begin a, a, your life purpose. Sometimes it takes years after that. And uh, how many know what I'm talking about? That it takes years to figure it out. But here's, here's the thing. You were born with purpose. And it's when you actually realize why God puts you on this planet with almost 8 billion other people. There's eight, almost 8 billion people on this planet. And it's when you figure out why you're here. You're not just born here to exist, to just take up a room to eat your mom's cooking. You're, you're, you're born for more than that. Amen? Look at your neighbor again and tell him, I was born with purpose. So again, from the moment you were born, God had a plan for you. And just because you're 88, 87, or 57 or 61, or you fill in the blank, whatever age you are, doesn't mean that your purpose is fulfilled. There's still more to be done, amen? How many know that? How many know the story of Abraham and, and Sarah? How many know Methuselah in the Bible lived to be 969 years of age? So there's always a plan in God's mind for each of you, amen? But God already knows the plan, even though you don't. He knows every detail about your life. He knew the accident you were going to be in on the freeway, just like I was in one about a month ago. He knew, he knows exactly how many fish I'm going to catch next week on Saturday. He knows I'm going to catch more than all of you. He already knows that. Okay, I'm hoping, all right? But each of us are born with this unique purpose in life, a mission. It's your life mission. And I just want to tell you today, doesn't matter if you're in your 20s and your teens or you're 80, God still has a plan for you. Amen? And as I mentioned, it often takes a while to figure it out. I, I told you I didn't come to church and do this until I was in my mid-20s. And I didn't go to church on a regular basis before that. But when I did, I really felt the call of God because I couldn't get enough of God. 
I, it was, uh, I was buying books left and right, paying and buying expensive books in addition to the Bible and reading all commentaries and listening to everything I could put my hands on because I felt like a sponge, like I couldn't get enough. And what I did was I walked away from that because I didn't know anybody. I didn't grow up with a brother who was a pastor or a cousin who was an evangelist or a best friend that grew up in the church. I didn't have any of that. It was all foreign to me. So after a couple of years, I walked away from the things of God, even though I knew that's what God wanted me to do because that was when I felt most fulfilled. That's a telltale sign when you know that what you're doing is what God's called you to do is when you feel fulfilled in doing that. How many know what I'm talking about? Because there are things that we do, maybe jobs that you've had, but it doesn't bring fulfillment to you. But when you are doing what God called you to do, there will be a sense of fulfillment in that process. Amen. So it was until years later, in my 50s, that I actually became a minister, that I actually started studying, went to school to study to become a minister, got licensed and ordained. So what I'm trying to tell you is it's never too late. Amen? It's never too late. In order to stay or to live out your, your life's mission, I, I mentioned two things last week. You have to stay filled or get filled and stay filled. Get filled with what? With his Holy Spirit, with, with the Spirit of God. How many here just go once uh, every six months to fill up your gas tank? Uh, I don't think any of us do, unless you're driving an electric car. Uh, but I didn't see any Teslas out there. So um, what that tells me is that you fill up and that you go back and fill up again and fill up again. And depending on how much you drive, you keep filling up your gas tank. Why? Because you're going to go dry. You're going to go empty. And you can't go anywhere if you let your tank run empty. In the same way, spiritually, we have to fill up and refill and constantly refill. So when you come to church, what you're doing is you're refilling. You're refilling your spiritual tank. There was an occasion one day when you filled your tank for the very first time. That's when you got saved. You, you now have a light that went on, a spiritual light that went on in your life. And God, from that point on, refills you every now and then. Because you all need a refilling, just like Pastor Rick and Anna do. We all need a refilling. So we have to uh, get filled and stay filled. Stay filled. And then the second thing I challenge you to do to live out your purpose is we were designed and created to share the gospel, to preach the gospel. And right away, some of you are thinking, well, pastor, that's not my calling. I, 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 I don't like to speak in front of people. I get all tongue-tied and, and I can't say what, what I, what I want to say. And that's fine. But you can share what God's done in your life with somebody. You can share how powerful God has transformed your life. You can share the relationships that have been restored in your life because of what God did. Amen? And none of that requires being a pastor or an evangelist or a worship leader. That's just a facet of ministry. Amen? So those are the two things I really touched on last week. And I want to get into a little, little bit more depth on the purpose of why you're here. So hopefully for the next few minutes... 
Uh, you'll stay awake and listen to all the five points I have. Amen? But I want you to turn, if you have your Bible, we'll have it on the screen for you, to the book of Ephesians. And this is out of the New Living Translation. I have a couple of verses uh, out of the New Living Translations. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And we're going to touch on a couple of verses that we read last week as well. But in this uh, scripture, it says this. Listen to this very carefully, because this is describing you and I. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Let me stop there. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you are a masterpiece. And then look at the other person next to you or that same person and say, I am a masterpiece. I didn't say a piece of work. I said a, a masterpiece. Amen. We are his masterpiece. That means he created you exactly with your characteristics, with the hair you have, the color hair you have, the ears you have, the nose you have, the lips you have, the eyes you have. He created you and he called you and said, you are a masterpiece. Can you just let that sink in? I don't think we realize that we are God's masterpiece, just the way we are. And it goes on to say, he, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In other words, God has a plan from the beginning, from the foundations of this earth, and he had a plan for you and I. And he has a plan for each of you, whether you're entering sixth grade or ninth grade, seventh grade, or whether you're entering a retirement home, he has a plan for you. Amen? We are his masterpiece. I want that to sink in today. Too often we beat ourselves up because we don't think we're good enough. We compare ourselves to that other person. Well, they're good looking, they're popular, they're this, they're that. And we fail to recognize that we are already his masterpiece. Amen? Next scripture I want to touch on again was what we uh, read last week in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Again, out of the New Living Translation, and we have this up on the screen, I believe. Yes, we do. Jeremiah chapter 1. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Stop there. Did you catch that? Our Heavenly Father is saying He knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you. I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And why that's important, number, there's a couple of reasons. He's first telling us that he knew us before we were actually born, before we were even formed in our mother's womb. That's why life in the womb is so precious. That's why we are pro-life, amen? And I'm not going to get into all that. That's just as believers, we, are in, we believe in, in life. But the second part of that that's important is we right away come up with excuses. I'm too young. Well, I'm too old. Well, I, I, I'm not a good speaker. 
Well, neither was Moses. And they got him a brother to speak with him and for him. Whatever your excuse is, God goes with you and will meet that need. Amen? So, so quit putting reasons up why you can't do what you feel God has called you to do. Can we just settle that right now? God will empower you. Amen? And, and what I mentioned last week, again, is if you, think, if you think about this, the Lord knew you from the womb. Don't you believe he has a plan for you for the rest of your life? Of course he does. And then the great comforting knowledge that that gives us is that where he leads, he will guide. Where he leads, he will guide. There's nothing worse. I remember back in the day having to have those Rand McNally maps Anybody remember those maps that fold out like this? This is before GPS, young people. There was something before GPS, and they were called maps. And you had to have a good co-pilot to interpret the map to tell the driver which way to go. And usually that was the beginning of an argument is what happened. Anybody that had to use a map. But now you just plug in a, an address, and it takes you right to that destination. That's what the Lord does when we follow his will. He takes you to the destination, and you don't have to get lost and spend your time going down the wrong country road and end up in the boonies going, how did I get here? When, if we just follow him, he'll take you down the path that was meant for your life. So how do we live a life with purpose? I mentioned you were born with purpose. So how do we live with that? That's what I want to touch on for the rest of this time that we have. But what I will tell you this is uh, this, that if you live a Christ-centered life, Christ-centered, again, that God is the center of your life, not, not your spouse, not your children, or your grandchildren, or your pets, or your house, or your car, or whatever else you want to put in there. If you put Christ as the center you will fulfill the purpose that you were born for. Can I get an amen on that? We will lead a purpose-driven life called our, 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 our mission, our life's mission. I can't go on without reading the scripture found in Jeremiah 29 and 11, which you all are familiar with. Chapter 29 and verse 11 in the book of Jeremiah and you all know the scripture. The scripture declares, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's the God that loves you. That's the God that says, I have a plan for you. Amen? So again, if God has a plan for you, wouldn't it make sense to listen to what his word has to say? It makes perfect sense to listen to what his word has to say for your life. So here's where I want to touch on those five points I have for you today. But to live your life full with God's purpose, you have to, as you get older, young people, you have to choose a profession or be on track to choose a profession that you're passionate about to integrate these five points I want to touch on in your life. Now, hopefully, all of you are doing that or on track to do that. We're all on a mission. We're all on a journey to do the best we can. Amen? 
And, and so I have a diagram. I think we can put this up on the screen. But in the center there is your purpose. That star represents your purpose. And if you look at the top here on the, the circles, it's, fi it's five circles. Or how many circles? One, two, three, four circles. There's passion and mission and profession and vocation down below. Those are intertwined. Whatever it is that you do, your passion, your, vo your vocation, what you do for a living, should be intertwined with passion. It should be a mission. You should be excited about what you do. It should bring you uh, a fulfillment when you do what you do. Amen? If not, you're in the wrong profession. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Passion, profession, that which you are good at. I'm going to pick on my brother. He's a fabricator. The man is good at what he does. He has passion about it. It's all working in his mind of what it's going to look like, the finished product. And he's a passion. And he, then he goes on a mission. And furthermore, it's what that world or what that client or what that job needs at that moment. There's a fulfillment when the finished product is done. It's that for which you can be paid for as well. I'm talking about your profession, your purpose. All of us have to work for a living. It, you know, Adam settled that for us in the, in the garden, amen? When he and Eve did what they did, they settled that. The Lord said, you must work. One thing that the Lord can't stand, and that's a lazy man, amen? Men, don't be lazy. And there's not, not a lazy man in this house today, because I know you all, amen? But we have to work for a living, and when you begin to do these things, when you mix your profession, your job, with passion, with your mission, this is part of your purpose. Again, if you're doing what God wants you to do, you will be fulfilled. You will have fulfillment in that. If you're going to work and just going, oh, I hate this job, I can't stand this, it's probably not what God's called you to do. Amen? Can I get a louder amen on that one? Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Take a picture of those circles. You can take them and uh, memorize them later. Let's go to the first point. And the first point today is we were planned for God's pleasure. God created you for His pleasure. It wasn't vice versa. It was for His pleasure. Your first purpose as a, as a human being is to bring worship to Him, is to worship God. That's why you were created, simply to worship Him. It's what the angels do 24-7. There, there is no time in heaven. There, they, there is no clock in heaven. They worship God. That's their job. That's why they were created. We have a will. We have emotions. We have uh, choices that we can make. We're free agents, moral free agents, but yet we were created to worship Almighty God. Sometimes, here's the problem though with that. We can be in such a rush in our life. Oh, I got to go to school. I got to go to work. Uh, I got to take care of this. I got to go that. I, gotta, I have a dinner date here with, with Anna. And then I got to go do this. And we fail to take time to worship God. I'm just being real. That's life. Even if you're retired I keep hearing retired people are busier than ever. 
I think that's true from what I hear from retired people. But the rush to accomplish all the things that we do in our daily life can lead to us neglecting worship. Let me tell you again, you were created to worship God. That means getting up in the morning, thank you, Lord. I mean, worship is thank you, Lord, for this day. You just worshiped him. I'm not saying stop there, but I'm just saying at least start there. Amen? Worship isn't just singing and praising God because I think sometimes we get this mistaken thinking that, oh, we're, we're doing worship now, so that's worship. No, worship is what you do all the day long in your job. Are you worshiping God? When, when you finish that task, that job, that welding job, that concrete job, whatever it is you're doing, are you going, man, that's good. Thank you, Lord, for helping me be able to do that without killing myself and killing anybody else and uh, hurting myself. Whatever it is, are you thanking God? Are you worshiping Him? Amen? God doesn't want just a part of your life in this. He wants all of your life. That's why your profession matters to Him. That's why what you do matters to Him. When He puts you, when you put Him number one, He'll direct your paths. He'll guide your steps. Amen? Again, God doesn't want a part of your life. He asks for all of your heart. How many here just gave half of their heart to their spouse when they first got married? None of you did. None of you did. You gave your whole heart to that person. Young people, when you meet someone, one day when you fall in love, you're not going to give them half, their heart, half of your heart. You're going to say, my heart is all yours. I'll go wherever you go. I'll, I'll, you lead, I'll follow. Because that's what, that's what love does. That's what love does. And then the same way with God, we give him all of our heart. And we say, Lord, where you lead, I will follow. Amen. He desires your full devotion. So when we offer God all of us, we're worshiping him. We're worshiping him when we offer all of us. If there's a part of us that say, well, I'll do this up to this point, we're truly not worshiping. There's a scripture in John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, and it says, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's talking about you worshiping him with all of your being. Because there's many that will choose to say, well, I'll worship up to this point. But beyond that, I, I can't do that, Lord. That, that's just asking me too much. And so the Lord wants all of your devotion. Amen? All of your devotion. Because then your worship is real, and then it's accurate. And I'll just read that scripture. I have it right here. And it's in the New Living Translations, John chapter 4, verse 23. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Again, are you giving Him your full devotion? That's, that's truth right there. Or just, just coming halfway and giving Him a half-hearted devotion. He wants all of you. Amen? So again, we were created and planned for God's pleasure, and our first purpose is to offer real worship. Our second, the second point today is we were formed for God's family. Everybody say amen. 
Your second purpose is to enjoy real fellowship. I remember when I first got saved and they were always talking about, well, we're going to have fellowship after the service. And I didn't know what fellowship was. I thought they, it was something to eat because I said, oh, we're going to have fellowship after the service. I hope it's good because it sounded like a dessert. But uh, I, la- I later learned fellowship is hanging out with the believers. Why do we do that? Well, I, there, I don't have the scripture, but there's a scripture that declares that iron sharpens iron. When you're together with other believers, you're being encouraged. You're being strengthened. There's nothing better than to talk with somebody that's going through the same things you're going, and they have had the victory, and you're still struggling with that. Amen? That's why God designed fellowship. It's not just to waste your time and just hang out with them. It's to encourage. It's to strengthen. It's to build up. It's to enjoy real fellowship. Amen? But seriously, to to grow in your relationship with the Lord, you were created to fellowship. You and I need each other. Again, look at your neighbor and tell him, I need you. I need you. Let me read out of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. And this is again out of the New Living Translation. But listen to this verse. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. That is the one common theme that we have as believers. You and I are are brothers and sisters because we love God, amen? Because we serve God. You're my brother, you're my sister, amen? But the world doesn't recognize that. That's why they look at going to church as weird. That's why they say, you give money to the church? That's, that's really weird. Uh, they don't understand the devotion that you have for God. They can't comprehend that. And God, again, is our Father, and He loves you and I. And, and He wants all of your devotion. And He wants your devotion to be to one another as well. That's why when someone hurts... We hurt for them. That's why when someone rejoices, we rejoice with them. Last year, or was it the year before? I've already lost track. I think it was last year I did, uh, officiated eight funerals, eight different funerals for a lot of people here in this church and then others outside of this church. But my point is when it's somebody in this church, we hurt with those people that have lost a loved one. Because that's our brother. That's our sister. And when we rejoice with them, when there's something of victory, we rejoice with that person as well. Because they're our brother and they're our sister. Amen? We are to fellowship together. We are, we are one family. Amen? That's what I love about God's family. The third point. I'm going to rush through these. But the third point is we were created to become like Christ. Now, you may, you may look like your parents, you may look like your mom, like your dad, or a relative of yours, but you weren't created to be like them. You might look like them, but you were created to be like Christ. We are to be Christ imitators. When they see you, they should say, there goes a follower of Jesus Christ. There goes a son 
of the king of kings. There goes a daughter of the king of kings. Amen? Your, your third purpose is to learn real discipleship. And how do you become a Christ-centered person? How do you become somebody that was created to become like Christ? By becoming discipled. Disciples are, are the 12 disciples we know about in the Bible. But anybody that follows the teachings of Jesus is a disciple. How many here follow the teachings of Jesus? That's all of you. Raise your hand. You are a disciple. You are a disciple. Again, from the beginning of God's plan, for you and I, his plan was to make you like his son Jesus. To make you like his son Jesus. In Genesis chapter 1, I believe it's verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Notice, we are the only ones, not animals, not, not your dog, not your cat, not your guinea pig. We are the only ones made in his image of all creation. God created you to be like God. He, not to become God. Don't get that wrong. You're not a God, and you never will be a God. But he wanted you to become like Christ. Amen? We are the only ones, human beings, that are created in his image. We are spiritual beings. But here's the problem. Because sin has distorted the image of what, what the image should look like in us. See, we should all be representing Christ. We should all look like Christ inside and outwardly. But because sin has distorted that over the years ever since the Garden of Eden, that is why the Father sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross for you and I, to restore that image, to restore Christ's relationship with each of us. Amen? See, you and I can't reproduce the character of Jesus on our own strength. You can try. You can try all you want, but you can't do it. And that's why I touched on last week, you and I need the dunamis or the power of the Holy Spirit to produce Christ-like character in our life. How many think back to before you got saved? And it was so easy to get angry and, and, and not forgive people and lie and cheat and steal, steal things that weren't yours. Those are all things contrary to what God has in mind for you. God's plan is that you do none of those things. And when we, when we truly represent and identify with Christ, we don't lie, cheat, or steal. Amen? You and I need the power of the Holy Spirit, though, to live a life like that. You can't do it on your, on your own. It's just impossible. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. And this one, this scripture is out of the message version. But it says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him from the very beginning god had in mind that he wanted you to become christ-like if you're not christ-like monday through saturday 
you need to come to God and have a Jesus meeting. Amen? You need to come to Jesus meeting. You say, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been Christ-like with my spouse, with my children, with my co-worker, with my neighbor, with the cashier at Walmart. You know, I haven't been Christ-like. God's mission for you, his purpose for you is to be Christ-like. See, you each have a testimony. When you're Christ-like, that testimony speaks volumes. That testimony speaks louder than I could ever declare from here, from this pulpit. Your testimony, which is Christ-like, declares volumes to those around you. Amen? So again, the third point was we were created to become like Christ, to learn real discipleship. We need each other. Amen. And my fourth point, we're almost done this afternoon. We were shaped for serving God. Each of these are distinct. And this one here is we were shaped for serving God. And it involves the fourth purpose of practicing real ministry. Say that with me. Practicing real ministry. Now, you and I, again, weren't just born to exist. We were born to make a contribution in this world. Each of you contribute, contribute to our church, to our society in some positive way. Amen? You weren't just born to consume or to take up space. God forbid. That, that would be a waste of a life if you were just born to just exist, to consume, and to take up space. But our Father in heaven designed you and I to make a difference in this world. That's what I love about our church. We have nurses. We have those that are in the construction field, those in retirement homes, uh, reaching out to other people, those in hospitals. I mean, it's just a wonderful way. There's so many different ways we can minister in our world. Amen? And, and, and we're all designed to give something back. At the end of our lives, and this becomes more real as you, as you get older, you, you start to think of, what am I leaving? And I'm not talking about physical things. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about legacy. What am I leaving for my family, for those around me? And, and this is why you were created and why God brought you, to leave something, to contribute something to this world. Amen? And in addition, this is called your ministry. Now, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute. Hold up, Pastor Rick. Time out. I'm not a minister. I'm not a pastor. But I would beg to differ with you. Did you, did you realize that in the Word of God, the words, uh, the words uh, servant and minister are synonymous they mean the exact same thing. You as servants, me as a minister, same thing. We're ministers of God. You are ministers if you are a servant of God. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I'm just licensed and ordained. That's the only difference. But you're a minister of God. Wherever you go, you're ministering. You're, but what are you ministering? That's the question. Are you ministering love, righteousness, peace, kindness, goodness, the fruit of the Spirit, amen? You exist to minister to those around you. If you are a believer today, you are a minister, and when you're serving, you're ministering. You are ministering. Ephesians chapter 4, 
and verse 12, and the New Living Translation says it this way, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You and I are equipped to do the work of God, to practice real ministry. That is part of your purpose in life. Some of you are talented with your hands. Others are talented with your mind, with your brains. Others are talented with your vocals, and, and I could go on and on and on. God has given each of you a talent, but in that talent, there's a purpose. Amen? There's a purpose behind that. And then our last one, which I've touched on last week, but I want to touch on it again, our fifth and final point. We were made for a mission. Your fifth purpose is to live out evangelism, real evangelism. Evangelism is all that is, is reaching out to others, sharing the gospel with others. Can I tell you about how good God is? Can I tell you about what God did in my life? That is sharing the gospel. Someone, your neighbor rolls up to you, wants to talk to you. Hey, can I just share with you how good God has been? I mean, right there. You didn't even have to share a scripture with them, but you're sharing how good God is. You're actually proclaiming and evangelizing the world. Amen? Proverbs chapter 11, as I, as I close this afternoon, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30 in the NIV says it this way, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. It's talking about soul winners. You and I were designed to be soul winners, meaning winning souls to Christ, reaching souls to Christ. See, they don't have to come to church to get saved. You can get saved in, in the parking lot at Walmart. You can get saved in, at In-N-Out. You could get saved in your front yard hauling out the garbage while you're talking to your neighbor. You can get saved right there. The, there's nothing magical about a church building. It's just a church building. But you can get saved wherever you're at. And that's why God designed and created you to evangelize, to minister to those around you. You see, the most rewarding thing you will ever do is to lead someone to Christ. That's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. It's above and beyond winning the lotto, building a house, living in a mansion, buying a brand new car. I mean, you, you fill in the blank. Leading someone to Christ and knowing that one day you will see them in eternity. That's the greatest reward you and I can ever have. And it starts with you ministering. It's up to you to reach the bubble of people or the people in your bubble that you can. I can't because I don't know those people. You can only reach the people that you come in contact with. And you and I were called to minister to them. Minister to them. Now, you're not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. But you can share with them. As, the, as we often say, you do your best and let God do the rest. You do your best and let God do the rest. And just watch God amaze you and watch what he does in your life. I've heard people here tell me that their relatives had a deathbed confession of receiving Christ into their life. 
I, I mean, I've heard things like that. It's never too late to share the gospel with somebody. You think sometimes, oh, I, I'm going to give up, <clears throat> excuse me, praying for that person because they've never gone to church. They don't ever want to listen to me. It's never too late. Keep praying for that person. Keep praying for them. They'll never forget what you tell them. They may not admit it to you, but they'll never forget what you tell them. We were having this conversation yesterday. We had uh, Pastor Allen and his wife, Karma, from Open Door. They were over for dinner yesterday, and we were talking and, uh, about ministry and talking about the influence that, that the teachers have teaching in kids' church. And some of you may have gone to Sunday school growing up, but you'll never forget that teacher you may not remember what they taught you, but you'll never forget the impact they had on you. So don't ever think it's not important what you say, what little you think you have to say. It matters. It matters to someone. Just remember the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. Amen? Stand with me this afternoon as we close today, if you're able to. If <clears throat> Lord, we thank you. We give you thanks today, Father. Lord, you are so good to us. We thank you for life, that you've given us a purpose in life. Thank you that we were planned for God's pleasure to worship you. Thank you that you formed us to be in your family, to enjoy fellowship. I thank you that we were created to become like Christ to learn what real discipleship is all about. I thank you that we were shaped for serving God. That is that we are to practice real ministry. And then finally that we were created for a mission. That our purpose is to live out evangelism. To share the gospel message with others. To bring those, especially in this day and age that we live in, to the knowledge of who you are even if it just means a simple invite to church, just invite them to church. Let them hear God speak to them. Not my words, but God Almighty speaking into their heart and into their soul. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you right now. Church, just go ahead and lift your hands and just let them know that you thank, thank him today. You're thankful to Lord Almighty for protecting you for, for watching over you. Lord, we love you and thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you have a plan for each of us. We may not have discovered it yet, even where we're at right now, but Lord, I know that you're watching over my life. You're watching over each person here. And Lord, you're going to lead and you're going to guide. You're going to direct. You're going to encourage them as they make you the center of their life. So, Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise for that today. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that today. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.